Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord? Oh, he's worthy. Let's just, why don't we lift up our hands unto the Lord? Let's just give him an offering of praise from our heart right now. He's worthy. Oh, come on. Let's, let's, let's just begin to open up our mouth. Come on. Uh, nobody can praise him and honor him like you can. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. We worship you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. It's such an honor to be here with you. Amen. Wonderful uh, people of ARC. Amen. And uh, this is a revival church. Amen. It is bred into the culture. Amen. Into the heart of this church. Amen. And I honor that. I respect that. Amen. And I want to honor uh, your pastor and his wife in their absence. Amen. We love and appreciate them. Amen. Great people of God. I want to honor... I also want to honor um, knowing after being in years of assisting in ministry and, uh, and in my home church, uh, I understand when the pastor's not there, a lot of slack has to be picked up by a lot of saints of God and uh, faithful lay ministers. I want to honor you for that. Amen. The lights don't turn on themselves. Amen. The musicians don't rehearse on their own. Amen. They come here. They make it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I want to honor, I want to send greetings actually from my family. And uh, I'm not sure who runs your social media, uh, but they, they set unrealistic expectations. Uh, they posted a picture with me and my wife, and my wife's not here. And so I know when I walked through the door, there were some disappointed faces, praise God. And, uh, but they do send their greetings and love. They love this church. They love being here with you. And uh, unfortunately, this time around, they weren't able to come with me. Uh, but we'll be back. Amen. Amen. It truly, it's an honor to be here. Why don't you, let's go to straight to the word of the Lord. Two passages of scripture. Let's start in Numbers chapter number seven. Numbers chapter number seven and also Second Samuel chapter number six. I don't, by no means do I, uh, do I say this to elicit any kind of uh, special attention at all, but I feel a burden from the Lord. Amen. I feel a burden from the Lord. And uh, there was actually many opportunities in the process of getting here where we could have hit the eject button and, and you would have had capable ministers come and preach the word, but the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me. Amen. And I needed to be here. Um, I do feel a word from the Lord. Amen. For the people. Amen. I pray it'll be a blessing. Numbers chapter number seven. Start reading in verse number six. But before we read, just give you a quick context here. The tabernacle was finally set up. It was anointed. It was sanctified for the use. For those that don't know what the tabernacle is, the tabernacle was a place that God had given Moses instruction to build, a place at the center of all the tribes of Israel. And there were specific instruments and specific process there. And at the center of the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence there. It met God's people there. And there in the Ark was the mercy seat where they would sprinkle blood. and They would push off. It would give atonement for their sins. Amen. 
And it was there where God's presence dwelled. So we see here there were a specific tribe, one of the tribes of Israel, the Levites, one of the 12 tribes, were set aside to do the work of the tabernacle. And uh, we see here now in the text that we're about to read that God appointed them to service the tabernacle. And in this passage, Moses is listening to God and giving resources or wagons and oxen to the families within the tribe to help them carry the load the burden that God had called them to. Mo numbers chapter number 7 and verse number 6, And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites, two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service, four wagon and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merar according unto their service, and unto the hand of Ithilamar the son of Aaron the priest, but unto the sons of Kohath he gave none. Because the service of the sanctuary belonged unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. That they should bear upon their shoulders. When it came to the ark, the other families within the tribes of the Levites, he gave them oxen and he gave them wagons to help them move the tabernacle as it needed to move when God moved. But when it came to the family, the Kohaths, they were there to not use an, uh, an ox cart nor an ox, but they were to carry the burden on their shoulders. Second Samuel chapter number 6, verse number 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abimadad that was in Gibeah. And, and Uzzah and Ahio, the son of Abimadad, drave the new cart. They set the ark of God upon a new cart. Amen. With the help of the Lord today and your help, just for the next few moments, I want to preach to you from this title, Lessons Learned on the Way Home. Lessons Learned on the Way Home. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's call on the name of the Lord. We need His help. I need His help. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you today, God. God, with expectation and desire, God, to hear from you. God, you see every life, Lord. You see every heart, God. You see, God, every need and every circumstance. But, Lord, you are not, you, you don't run from our needs, Lord. But, God, you, your word says that you are as close as the mention of your name, Lord. I pray right now, God, as we call on you, let your word meet us here, God. I pray let there be revelation and understanding. Let there be challenge. Let there be hope, God. Let there be freedom in this house here today, Lord. I pray in the precious name of Jesus, help me, God. I, I want to decrease, Lord, that your spirit may increase, Lord. I pray, God, help me get out of the way, God, that your anointing and your glory may minister to the heart of every life here today, Lord. We give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus we pray in Jesus name amen let's clap our hands unto the Lord as we're seated here today to understand the gravity of the lessons that we're going to learn here today uh, we must understand the significance of the ark the ark and the tabernacle was something that God had given Moses very specific instructions to build. Uh, I, I'm reminded uh, when it came to the salvation of Noah and his family, God didn't just say, go build a boat because it's going to rain, but rather God gave Noah very specific instructions, amen. 
And I've often thought for some time why God would give Noah instruction. And, and I, I could imagine, amen, that when the, when the rough seas came, amen, and, and Noah there, if he had built the boat himself, I wonder if he would have been sitting there afraid for his own life, wondering if he built it strong enough. But there's something special about a people of God that get instruction from God, amen, and follow his precious word. Amen. There is a blessed assurance that comes, amen, from people of God that have made up their mind that they're going to live, amen, not by, not by what they see, amen, but by, by the very word of the Lord, amen. We see Moses, God gives him instruction there to build a place where God's spirit would dwell in the center of his people. Amen. It was not, the tabernacle was not intended to be placed on the outskirts, amen, of the tribes of Israel. But the Bible says that it was intended, amen, to be built and placed, amen, in the center of the 12 tribes. I'm here today to tell you that God is not an add-on to our life, amen, but he is, amen, the center of all, amen. It is by his power and his glory. It is by his goodness and his faithfulness uh, that you and I stand here today. Uh, amen. It is not by our works of righteousness. Amen. Uh, it is not by our goodness, but we are here because we have a faithful God. Uh, amen. That desires to be the center of our affection. Uh, that desires to be the center of our lives. And we see the significance of the ark, amen, it is the embodiment of the presence of God in that time, amen. It is there in the ark, amen, you, you will find Aaron's rod and you will find manna there. And it was the significance of God's anointing, amen, and designation of authority through Aaron's rod. And it was through the manna, the omer of manna that was inside the ark of the God that provides and sees to the need of his people, amen. It was there in the center of the camp and on top of the ark we find the mercy seed. I'm so thankful for a merciful God. Uh, come on, somebody. Amen. I, I'm so thankful for a merciful God. Amen. No matter how good you are. Amen. No matter how righteous you live. Amen. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But I'm so grateful for the goodness and the mercy of a living Savior. Amen, visitor friend, amen, no matter where you've been and no matter what you've seen, I'm here today to remind you that we serve a merciful God. Amen. We find the great significance there of the ark, of the covenant there in the center place, amen, of the camps of Israel. And long before Israel was a united kingdom, amen, the Philistines had de defeated Israel into battle and they took the ark of the covenant. The ark, amen, when they took it back to Philistia, they, they took it and they placed it there. And, and the Bible says that, that there was, there was, there was a, a disease that spread across the camp, amen. And we see, amen, that the idols of the Philistines fell, amen, at the power and the glory of God. I'm here today to tell you, amen, that we serve a powerful God, amen. We serve a powerful God. Can I remind you, amen, one of the biggest reasons why, amen, that, that our flesh, amen, and, the, and the, the devil fights us to not get into red-hot service where God's presence works, amen, and where God's word is preached, amen, it fights us. Why? It's because if you stack up Hollywood, against the presence of the Lord. There is no comparison. Amen. If you stack up the latest designer drug, there is no comparison to the joy and the glory that we feel here today. Amen. There is nothing that stands in comparison to a real God that works with his people. 
we see that the Philistines take it back to their camp, amen, and the Bible says that they said enough is enough. We got to get this thing out, amen. It's bringing us nothing but pain and misery. So they placed it on the back of two oxen and they sent it on their way, amen. And the Bible says that it arrived there in Beth Shemesh where, they, where, where the Israelites took it in, in, in back into their possession. And the Bible says there in 1 Samuel chapter number 7 that they then took it to the house of Abimadad. The Bible says that it dwelt there 20 years. Fast forwarding through some time, amen, now the kingdom of Judah and Israel is now united and David becomes king. And, and now he's, he has made up his mind It is time, amen, as my first act as king to bring back the ark to the house of God. It's now time, amen, to place this back in its place of prominence now and restore it where it belongs. It's time to bring it home. So now David, he tells 30,000 men to get up and head on down to the house of Abimadad. They place an ark, the ark, on a new cart. And Uzzah and his brother now drove the cart home from their father's house. They, they started driving it to Jerusalem. And when you recount the story of Uzzah and the ark of the covenant, it is indeed a tragic story. And the Bible says that as the ark was being transported, the ox pulling the cart stumbled. Uzzah reached out to take hold of the ark to stabilize it. And the Bible says that the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down, and he died there in the threshing floor. Uzzah's punishment does indeed appear to be a very, uh, it, would be, uh, it would appear to be an extreme act, amen, for what most of us would consider a very well-intentioned act on the part of Uzzah. However, there are three lessons that we can learn on this trip home here today. Number one is the ark of familiarity. In 1 Samuel chapter number 7, the Bible says that the ark was in the house of Abimadad for 20 years. You know whose sons were Abimadad's sons? It was Uzzah and his brother. Amen. The Bible tells us, amen, I, and, and I don't think it's too far of a stretch to infer here today. Amen. It had been in their house, and they had become a familiar with the ark in their home. Amen. Uzzah, amen, could have easily become very accustomed to having the ark around their home. Amen. And it could have been very easy for him to likely forget the holiness, amen, that it represented. It might have been easy for him to forget, amen, that the high priest would have to go through a very specific process uh, to get in the same room beyond the veil uh, where the presence of God is. Uh, and so familiarity began to creep in uh, to the heart of Uzzah and his brother. I'm here today to tell you uh, that familiarity does indeed uh, breed contempt. I'm here today to declare to the people of God, uh, amen, in ARC, uh, that familiarity can indeed become fatal in the life of a believer. Hallelujah. This is not just the first time, amen. The Bible tells us that they, they may have approached the ark with irreverence, amen. The Bible, this is how the Bible says that the ark was taken from them from the Philistines in the first place. The Bible says, amen, that they were going to meet the Philistines on the field of battle, amen. And what did they decide to do? Brother Deathridge, they decided, amen, let's take the ark of the covenant with us into battle, amen. Not once did they consult God. Not once did they say, God, what do you want? 
want us to do. Amen. Not once did they go, amen, and ask the high priest and ask them to see what does God want us to do. But rather they said, let me take the thing that must have worked before and I could just throw that on my back and carry it into battle. And if it did it before, I best believe that God's going to do it again. Can I tell you, amen, amen, that's how they lost, amen, the beautiful thing that represented the presence of God is they just assumed, amen, it became a mechanism in the machine of their belief system, amen, how many times, amen, us living for God, amen, do we come to the house of the Lord just expecting that everything's just going to work out the way... Hallelujah. How many times, amen, amen, God has bailed me out before, amen, I believe God's going to bail me out again, amen, and I don't have to worry about it, I don't have to pursue righteousness, I don't have to pursue humility, I don't have to, oh, come on, amen, how many times, amen, oh, Jesus, help me, amen, amen, I, I've grown up in this thing called Pentecost. Amen. I, I know what it is, amen, to stand up, amen, and be used of the Lord, amen, and feel the presence and the anointing of God, amen, and but struggle throughout the whole week, amen, and somehow, amen, the further I got from God, amen, the easier it was, amen, to say, well, man, God's using me, I must be okay. Amen. We be best. Amen. Amen. Remind ourselves. Amen. There is a difference. Amen. Of being anointed and used by God and living a life that is set apart for the use of God. Amen. It is easy. Amen. To walk in those things. Why? Because when you're used of God in these environments, it's not really about you. It's about who God is trying to reach through you. Amen. It is not about. Oh, come on. You could be the best singer. Amen. You could feel the glory of God. Amen. That's great. Amen. But God is using you. Amen. To create an environment where God can work. Amen. In the heart that is hungry. Amen. For the Word of God. God is using you. Amen. That God can reach somebody. Amen. That is on the brink. Amen, because they became familiar with the ark, amen. They treated it with familiar hands, amen. They lost it all because they became familiar with the ark. They just assumed that if it brought them victory before, amen, it will bring me victory again. Amen, can I tell you, church, amen. Can I tell you, amen, when you came to God, it's all right, amen. That You start with a five-minute prayer in the morning, that's all right. Amen. You got to grow in God. You got to start somewhere. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But if you've been living for God for years and you can't get past five minutes, amen, you better shake yourself. Amen. We best shake ourselves. Amen. Why? It's because we become familiar with the limits. Amen. We said, oh, God, you meet me here in my five-minute prayer. That's all you need. But no, God is calling us deeper. God is calling us to a new place. God is calling us to a place where he requires us to lean on him. When is the last time we asked ourselves? When's the last time we stopped and asked ourselves, God, what should I do in this situation? When is the last time we stopped and we measured our dreams, our lifestyle, our family, our conversations, our entertainment, our values? Amen. 
in our direction in life. Amen. When's the last time we stopped ourselves and said, God, I know this is where I think I want to go, but Lord, God, I don't want to become familiar with the ordinary, Lord, but God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to guide me every step. Your word says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you, and God, I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your purpose. God, I know this is what you asked me to do yesterday, but God, where do you want me today? Where do you want me to, where do you want to lead me today? God, come on. But it's the last time we stopped and we examined our direction of our eternity. I'm here today, amen, to remind us that familiarity breeds contempt. Can I tell you, amen, this is not just a spiritual application. There is a very practical application to this today. That familiarity brings contempt, and it is clear in a very present danger in our very daily lives. Can I tell you that many lives are put in jeopardy because we under, underestimate the danger of familiarity? Say, how, preacher? I can tell you today, marriages are run aground because we become familiar. Amen. Marriages, amen. I believe the statistic is over 50% at this point of divorce. Why? It's because people just live life running parallel lives, but never coming together, never coming together, never believing and dreaming the same way, never achieving new things, never following and pursuing together. Why? It's because we just become familiar with living daily life. And familiar with picking up the kids and dropping them off and amen we don't take the time to invest and shake things up amen I was counseling with a man this very week amen he's been married 20 years amen on the brink of divorce amen and he said you know I'm just tired amen if marriage has to be so much work I don't want to do it my god real life problems amen we begin to pray amen we we, we some of us are fasting and praying amen and, and, and this is the thing. I, I met up with this man on Monday of, I believe, this last week. And he said, I sat down with my wife, amen. And he said, you know what, honey? I realize, amen, I'm just tired of just going through the motions. He said, I'm tired, amen, of just, just living life and the mundane, the mundane nature of life. I, I want to date you again. <laughs> Why is it requires, amen, marriages, amen, are on the rocks. Why? It's because we just become familiar with one another. Amen. You no longer require the cultivation of the pursuit that you had, amen, to get that one. Amen. You, you would bend over backwards, amen. You, you, would, you would run through the snow outside. Amen. Honey, you dropped your handkerchief. I'm going. Just pull the car over, honey. Don't worry. We're on the highway. It's all right. I'll be okay. We would do whatever we can. Why? It's because we're doing it in the pursuit of something. But what happens 20 years into the marriage? What happens 10 years into the marriage? Amen. And the honeymoon phase is over. Amen. You begin to become familiar with that relationship. Another example of familiarity bringing contempt, amen, is in our, in our children's lives. Amen. I, I was in Sears. I believe it's still around. I was in Sears, and I was running through Sears Outlet, and uh, I think my washer machine went out, and I was looking for a new model, and my daughter, she was three years old, and I was going down the aisle, and, and uh, it was quiet. It's an outlet, man. There's no one there, and uh, my daughter was just running, screaming, touching everything, and there I am, you know, new dad, two years old, and I'm running. I'm like, stop, stop. Don't do this. Don't touch. Stop. Move over here. Don't, you know, be quiet. Shh. 
there was a man that came around the corner, an old man, he, older man, he came right around the corner, and he said, you know what, don't tell her to be quiet. I said, really? <laughs> uh, and uh, he said, you know, don't, don't tell her to be quiet. He said, because there's going to be a day that you're going to miss that. He said, enjoy it. Let her be a kid. told him to be quiet anyways. <laughs> no, but there's something valuable there, amen, to be learned, amen, is that, that it's easy to become familiar with those moments, but those of you that have kids that have grown up and gone on, amen, to live life and get married and move on, amen, there's a part of you, amen, in that moment when your kids are being crazy, that all you want them to do is relax and be quiet, but there is going to be a time, amen, where you, you, you miss those familiar sounds, there's going to be a time where you won't be able to invest in that life like you did before, there won't be a time, amen, you've lost that opportunity so what do we do in these moments where we want our kids amen to act right amen we brush them aside familiarity working its way into the life of our children and, and can I tell you amen we lack sometimes a spirit of gratitude why it's because it is often missing from our life because familiarity has taken its place can I be real here today Amen. Can I be real? Here, here, here's something to think about. Amen. What, what happens? Amen. We'll be, we become lazy in our worship and our praise. And we just expect, amen, that somebody, Sister Susie, is going to go ahead and dance right, amen, and worship the Lord, and the presence of the Lord is going to meet us there, and we become familiar, amen, with the mechanics of every church service, and we get used to, amen, if Brother Jonathan sings the right song, amen, and if the drummer hits the right beat, we can work this thing out, and everything's going to be all right, amen, what's happening is familiarity is beginning to work its way into your worship, amen, I love people, amen, that get before the, 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 the house of God, amen, they could be singing a slow song, and they're dancing before the Lord, amen, they could be singing a song, amen, about anything, and they're just worshiping God, amen, why, amen, it reminds me, amen, they're not allowing familiarity to get in their worship, amen, they're not allowing the right beat to hit for them to dance before the Lord, why, it's because they're reminding themselves, amen, God has been so good, God has been so faithful, God, oh my God, hallelujah, Man, we take things, we take people, we take the move of God for granted. I'm telling you here today, that is the work of the enemy. I'm here today to remind us this is why we must work harder at giving thanks for everything. Amen. This is why, amen, we must guard our love for our brother and our sister. This is why we must guard the love for our families. This is why, amen, we must remember the value of each individual that walks through these doors. I don't care what they look like. I don't care, amen, what they smell like. I don't care, amen, what... what Amen. We must guard the value of every person, amen, that walks in this house. Why? It's because they're walking into the house where God works and where God changes lives and where God moves and begins to turn the trajectory of somebody's eternity, amen, where they were bound, amen, and sit and heading on their way to hell. But now they found liberty and freedom and joy, amen, in the Holy Ghost. must guard these things in our life. Amen. I'm here today to remind us that we must see the big in the small. 
Amen. We must dream in these situations that don't seem, amen, that, that, that a dream is even there. Amen. We must worship God with the intensity of people that remember that we are not here by our goodness. First Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You want to be in the will of God? We talk all, of, all the time about being in the will of God. Brother, I just want to be in the will of God. I just want to be in the will of God. Amen. Then pray. Amen. And walk in thanksgiving. Thank God for every day, every day that you have breath in your body. Amen. Thank God for every day that you stand in the presence. Amen. Of God. Thank God every day that you can walk through these precious doors of deliverance and worship God. Amen. Thank God for the good times and the bad times. Thank God for your brother when you love him and when he's a knucklehead. Thank God. Amen. For the body of Christ. Can I tell you, amen, this was not lost on Jesus. Amen. The danger of familiarity was indeed, amen, present in the life of Jesus when he goes back to his home of Nazareth. The Bible says, Mark chapter 6, amen, that he went back to his hometown, amen, and the people there did not, did not recognize who he really was. The reality is, is the people that should have known who Jesus was the best were behind the veil, amen, of the ordinary and their, their familiarity. It was there, amen, when Jesus, when they looked at him, amen, the Bible says in John chapter 4, in verse 44, amen, he was a prophet without honor in his own town, amen, there was, they were skepticism, he was met with skepticism, and amen, in the Bible, it is even very clear that it was not, they were just not skeptics, but they were, they were cynical, and they were critical of Jesus, amen, and they, they reasoned, amen, that Jesus must have just been a carpenter, he, he must just be the man that builds tables, amen, and he doesn't do miracles, amen, he was Mary's son, and not the son of God, amen, they just seen him, Amen. Through the veil of ordinariness. Amen. For them, the glory of Christ was hidden. Amen. There behind that veil. You know, and the most interesting thing, or paradoxically in this situation, everywhere else that Jesus went, people marveled at who he was. Amen. Every other opportunity when Jesus ministered, they were ripping roofs off of places to get people in touch with Jesus. Amen. Everywhere that Jesus went, people marveled at who he was. Amen. And the power that he had. But the Bible says that when he was in his hometown, amen, they didn't marvel at Jesus. Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Amen. How far can we fall? Amen. And when we get wrapped up in familiarity, how far, amen, can our spirit fall? Amen. When we get used to just the mechanics of church, amen, we want to come and hear a 30-minute message and sing a few songs, amen. But when's the last time we said, I'm not leaving the house of the Lord, amen, until I shake heaven. I'm not leaving the house of the Lord until somebody gets filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not leaving the house of the Lord until I touch Jesus, until I touch Jesus. Hallelujah. Here today to declare, amen, to every person, every person of the sound of my voice. 
No matter what kind of background you have, amen, if you've been living for God for years, amen, or if you, this is your first time here, amen, don't let the wonder of Jesus be lost on you. Amen, don't let the wonder of Calvary be lost on you. Don't let the preciousness of his blood that was shed on Calvary be lost on you. Amen, don't let the wonder of his resurrection and the power of his spirit through the Holy Ghost, let it be lost on you. Don't leave here until you've got everything that God has for you. Don't leave here today until you received and you walked, amen, in everything that God has for your life here today. Amen. Saint of God, can I tell you, amen, that it is, it, we, we remark, amen, we look at the story of the pearl of great price, of the, of, of the great price, amen, the pearl of great price there in Matthew chapter 13, the Bible tells us, amen, man that sells all that he has to buy the field. But, but can I tell you, amen, after living for God for some years, it is easy sometimes to let the pearl lose its luster. Sometimes we can become so familiar, amen, with the goodness of God that we lose taste for the goodness of God in our walk with God. We can lose our first love. We could lose the thing that God, the things that God did that we used to marvel at, become commonplace. Revelation chapter number two, Amen. The church of Ephesus is admonished. They're, they're, they're honestly they're commended. They said that they patiently endured. They were intolerant of evil. They they pursued righteousness. They suffered for Christ. They they endured suffering for the cause of Christ. They rejected false teaching. They did all the right things. Amen. The Bible really, and the, rea- the reality of the situation, their report card was great. They did everything that a good church should do. Amen. But Jesus said, I still have one issue with you, that you have lost, amen, you've abandoned the love that you've had at first, amen, why, amen, does Jesus care about it, what was he doing, he was saying, you become too familiar, amen, you've done all the right things, I believe, amen, that I'm in a church that believes truth, amen, that declares the word of God without fear or favor, I believe that I'm standing in a church of people that still believe the doctrine of Jesus only, I believe that I still am standing in a church that believes, amen, that God still fills people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Amen. I believe that here today. Amen. We're doing all the right things but can I remind us today. Amen. Check what our first love is. Amen. Pursue. Amen. Not the familiar. Amen. But God take us to new places in you. Amen. Take us to places and heights that I have not seen yet. Amen. Take me to places that require me to lean on my faith and not on what I see. Take me to places, Lord, amen, that doesn't require just the ordinary, but God, I want the extraordinary power moving in my life here today. Amen. Can we pray right now? I feel the Holy Ghost working right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray, God, let your glory meet us here right now, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, today, let us let us stir up this gift in us again. I pray, Lord Jesus, let it be renewed in our hearts. Amen. God, I'm hungry for more of you. I want more of you, Jesus. God, I want you to take me to places I've never been. I want to see miracles, Lord, that I never could even have imagined, Lord. I pray, God, expand their territory. Let them know, God, that they're 
there is no limit to your depth, that there is no limit, God, to your goodness and to your power. God, that there are still devils that are afraid of your name. God, that there are still people, Lord, that need to be delivered in this city, Lord, that will be delivered in these altars. Let them dream again, God. Let them see, amen, what you first showed them when they came to you. In the name of Jesus, concern, amen, when we no longer shiver at the thought of hell and we no longer smile at the thought of heaven. We no longer weep at the thought of Christ. We begin to neglect and take for granted this precious gospel and this precious salvation. Hebrews chapter number 2 and three, verse 3 admonishes us, we must pay the most careful attention. Therefore, amen, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Make, pay, to pay close attention. Don't let this value of what we have here today drift away. Can I tell you, amen, you go to the church down the street. They don't have what you have here today. Amen. Oh, my God. I mean, I, we're a home missions pastor, and we just about two or three weeks ago, we just started. We rented a building, amen, finally, and we've been in our home for the last year, and and, and we finally got in a building. We've been having first-time visitor. God's been blessing, and it's a good thing. Amen. I'm thankful for it. Amen. But as I started, we got into the building. Amen. I started going through and doing all the things I know to do and preparing all the things I need to prepare and setting up the teams and doing all the logistics of church. And I was thankful for it. I was excited. I know how to do all that stuff. So I'm like, all right, that's one area I feel good about, so I'm going to do it. And I, I pursued it, and we did it. It was good. Amen. But can I, I got to that place, amen, and I realized, I looked around, I said, no matter how much I gussy this place up, no matter how many signs I put up, and no matter how many lights, and, and the sound system sounds good, and the projector's there, amen, none of that matters, amen, because the precious gospel, amen, that is preached over that pulpit, not because I'm preaching it, but because his word is true, amen, it doesn't matter, amen, all the things, we got to do everything we can with the spirit of excellence, amen, but I had to remind myself and shake myself and say, no, amen, I don't want to drift away from the preciousness of what we have, amen, it doesn't matter if we're standing on a dirt floor, it doesn't matter if we're sitting across a dining room table from somebody, it doesn't matter if we're sitting in a Starbucks with somebody, this gospel is precious, amen, the church down the street might have the nice building in the comfortable pews, amen, they might have the nice music department with the multi-million dollar budget, amen, but I got the precious saving gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, there is nothing like this precious gospel, this gospel changes lives, this gospel sets people free. This gospel is precious. Man, visitor, I, I don't know who's visiting here. I don't know how many times you've been here or not. First time visitor, returning visitor. I don't know your situation, but can I tell you today? I mean, whatever religious understanding you have, whatever background you have, can I tell you, don't be bound by what you know, what you're familiar with. 
I'm not taking away anything, any moments, because I know there are some people that have pursued God, and, and, and you've, you've prayed in your, your living room, and, and nobody believed, amen, in your, your upbringing, amen, that God's Spirit still operated and worked, but you prayed and said, God, if you're really real, speak to me, and God begin to speak to you. I'm not taking that away from you. But can I tell you here today, amen, it is time to throw off what you know and say, God, this is all I know, but God, I just want more of you. God, they say, amen, this is who you are, that there's not three, but there's one. God, I know I've been taught one way, but God, if you're real and this is true, God, I want you to reveal this to me. I want to know everything. Oh, come on. Amen. There's something about, amen, that the disciples of John the Baptist, amen, when, the, when, when they finally came and they preached, amen, that, that the, the power of the Holy Ghost, the first thing that they said is, I didn't know that there was such a thing. They said, well, what baptism were you baptized in? Well, John's baptism. And what happened, amen, it was because their heart was postured to more of God and not just what they were familiar with. And so when they finally heard the gospel, what happened? They responded. It could have easily gone another way where they said, you know what, no, we're good with John. John, he was the one, and we're good, and we're fine. We'll settle here. Amen. But there was something in the heart of those people that said, no, if this is God has more for me, you best believe I'm going to get everything that God has for me. You say there's a Holy Ghost, you best believe I'm going to be the first one in line saying, God, fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say there's a baptism in Jesus' name, you best believe I want to be baptized under his... First Peter, amen, chapter 2 and verse 7. To who believe, he is precious. <laughs> Can I remind you that we serve a precious God? <laughs> this gospel is precious. Another lesson, amen, that we can learn on the way home is the lesson from the stumbling off. Man, this is so much different than I imagined in my head, but I'm just following the Holy Ghost. The stumbling offs. The Bible says, amen, that it accounts that the ark was being transported on that cart. And the Bible says that the ark, that the ox stumbled there. And the Bible says that as I reached out and he touched it and he grabbed it. But can I tell you, the Bible never once said that the ark was going to fall. Reminded when Jesus was there on the boat with his disciples and the, rock, the winds and the rain began to rock that boat fiercely. The Bible says that the disciples were afraid for their lives even though the master was at the bottom of the boat. <laughs> Yet Jesus was there with his disciples. They failed to put their faith in the master. Us are there for a moment, somehow, some way in his mind, he felt that it was his responsibility to save the integrity of God. It was somewhere there he felt that somehow the Almighty God somehow needed assistance from Uzzah. He assumed, amen, without his intervention, God would be dealt a blow. I'm reminded here today of what Job said. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Amen. Psalms 145 and 3 says, His greatness no one could fathom. His understanding no one could fathom, as the prophet Isaiah says. Can I tell you here today, we do not serve a tamed God. Amen. We do not serve a God that is put in a box. Amen. He is not limited. Amen. By what we are limited with. Amen. God is not limited. Oh, come on, somebody. 
Amen. I want to preach faith into somebody's heart here today. Amen. You somehow you place God on the box. You placed him. You placed the limitation on him. And somehow, amen, you believe, amen, that God needs you. But can I tell you, God doesn't need you. But can I tell you a beautiful thing about God? Although he doesn't need you, he chose you. He didn't need you, amen, but he chose you, yet you are still the apple of his eye. Why? He wants you to realize, amen, he does not need your hands, but he has chosen you. He's given you an opportunity to be a part of his precious work. He's given you an opportunity, amen, to be engrafted into his power, in his glory, amen, his authority. men's hands as though he needs anything. <laughs> you know, I think the denominal Christians get go way too far on this far, this part. But they say, you know, we, we're saved by we're saved by faith and not by works, right? We're saved and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. And that's absolutely the case. There's nothing you can do. And so they use that as a justification not to live holy or separate or pursue God. And they just say there's nothing you can do, so therefore just accept the love of God and you're fine. That's it. <laughs> can I tell you, God, what does he do? I mean, he doesn't need us, but what has he done? He's allowed us the opportunity, amen, to be engrafted into his holy nature. He's allowed us, amen, to overcome and be bound, amen, to the nature of our flesh. And that's why he's given us the Holy Ghost. Why? Amen, that we cannot walk and be bound by this flesh, but we can walk in the newness of life. That's why, God, when we go down in the name of Jesus, amen, that we can come up, amen, with a new name. We are a new creature in Christ. Amen, that we've not done anything, but we have walked and we've responded to the goodness of God. No, my, 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 my. He's given us life. He's given us breath. Can I tell you, sometimes we, in our pursuit, in our pursuit and our walk with God, sometimes we, we can work God right out of the equation. Sometimes we could get to the place where we somehow we can live for God on our own strength. Yeah. I lived for God long enough, amen, to know, amen, how to get into church and get in the environment and know how to do the right thing, amen, and feel the presence of God and feel the strength of God, but leave unchanged. I, my prayer for every service, amen, that we walk into, amen, whether it's here, whether it's at home, is God, let me leave with a greater understanding of who you are and the process of me understanding more about you. God, I know it's going to reveal more of how you care about me. Amen. Sometimes we could just work God right out of our services. Huh. How many have ever been there? How many could be real this, this afternoon? We just kind of know we know what to do. Amen. We know how to work through it. Amen. But we don't leave change. We operate and we walk in our own strength, in our own capacity. And we wonder why, amen, we struggle on Monday and we struggle on Tuesday. And we struggle and we're just waiting for that fresh, that fresh bread and that fresh move of the Holy Ghost on Sunday. And we're living from these moments to moments and there's inconsistency in our walk with God. Why? Amen. It's because we're trying to live for God on our own strength. Can I tell you, when Uzzah died, you know what Uzzah's name means? 
Uzzah's name means might or strength. And when Uzzah died, the Bible says, amen, that David named that place Perez Uzzah. You know what that means? The field where might finally died. The direct translation really means the defeat of might. It is finally their place, amen, where Uzzah and the might of human ability had died. Can I tell you that the death of Uzzah, although it seems difficult for us to understand, it is so consistent with how God works with people. Amen. That name, that, man, that, that moment of that man of strength and might, amen, was there. Amen. We have to die out to our own, our own human abilities and strength. We have to get to that place, amen, where we say, God, I've done all that I can do, and God, I can't do this on my own any longer. Amen. What is the fundamental nature of repentance? It is an understanding understanding that you are not enough on your own. Amen. And you need the grace and the goodness of God. Amen. You know you are flawed. You know that you are a weak vessel. Amen. And you need the grace and the goodness of a risen Savior. There's an acknowledgement in repentance. Amen. That says, God, this is where my might dies. Amen. God, I'll never be good enough. But God, your grace is sufficient for me. God, you are faithful. And I know you will meet me here. God wants some people, amen, to be reawoken to the fact, amen, that you cannot do this on your own. The Apostle Paul was unapologetic, amen, in this declaration. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, he said this, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, my, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Paul recognized that. Amen. You know what? I take glory. Amen. When I've reached the end of my rope. Why? It's not because it's comfortable, but because I finally realize that when I've got to the end, Amen. God is going to meet me there. Amen. God is going to meet me where my ability ends. God is not going to meet me where I'm comfortable. God is not going to meet me, amen, where I've been living. Every, every, oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Pastor, Pastor Buxton was preaching on Wednesday night in Brother Prado's church in, in Alameda, amen, and one of the things he preached on, and I don't want to ruin his message because you'll probably hear it soon. If not, you've already heard it. Amen. Might be one of the old faithfuls. He talked about that God, amen, he met them in the storm. It's time for the people of God to push off. We have boats, amen, that have never left dock. Amen, but God wants to bring his people to a place where their strength dies, where the death is. If you ever want to be everything God has called you to be, if you want to see your children saved, if you want to see your life turned around, there has to be a death of your own might. There has to be a death, amen, of your own will to finally say, God, I can't do this on my own. God, God no matter how educated you are, no matter how long you've lived for God, no matter how much you have seen, God, God, I can't do this on my own. The Apostle Paul, a man that proliferated the gospel to all over the world. Amen. This man realized the beauty in his weakness. He realized, amen, the strength that came when he finally got to the place where his might died. He realized the beauty, amen, where finally his strength met its match. 
stand to our feet today. God, in your mercy. Oh, Jesus. Can I tell you today, there's a call to the people of God in this house right now to shake up what you know and fall back in love with Jesus. Say, God, take me to that place again, Lord, where you first found me. God, shake me up. God, I'm stirring myself up, God. I'm done with the ordinary, Lord. I want the extraordinary in operation in my family. Lord, I, I need your supernatural touch uh, in my marriage. I need your supernatural touch. Uh, hallelujah. In my kids' lives. I need your supernatural touch uh, in my finances. Uh, I need your supernatural touch uh, in my mind. Uh, God, uh, there's some people here today, uh, you struggle with anxiety. I feel this so strong uh, in the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, amen. There's that you Because you try to hold on to everything uh, and you try to control it all, I'm here today to tell you, amen, this is the place where your might dies here right now. And you're going to find the peace that is only found in the Holy Ghost. Amen, I feel that right now. Amen, that this is going to be the place, amen, where you finally realize, God, I'm done fighting it on my own. God, I'm done fighting it on my own. But God, I need your hand to work and meet me here. Yeah. Hallelujah, if the musicians could come, praise God. God gave Moses specific instructions when it came to the service of the, the ark that it should only be carried on their shoulders. It was intended that they should not use an ox nor use a cart. Why? It's because there's just some burdens that there are no shortcuts for. look across this congregation and see these beautiful elders. I would love to hand them the mic if we had the time and just say, brother, sister, are there shortcuts living for God? And let them tell us the stories today. Of the time of saying, no, brother, there's just some things you just got to carry to the Lord in prayer. And there may not be an answer today, and there may not be an answer tomorrow. There may not be an answer when I think there needs to be an answer, but you best believe that I'm going to carry this on my shoulders. Church, I'm here today to tell you that there's just some things that need to be carried on the shoulders of the people of God. Mark chapter 9 tells us of disciples that try to cast out devils, and the Bible says... Jesus told them that this kind can only be cast or, or dealt with by, by prayer and fasting. He said here that there are no shortcuts to this resolution. You want deliverance, you're going to have to push some meals. 
You want to see deliverance in your family. You want to see your children, your lost children saved. There, there's nothing's going to happen. There's the only way through this is some time of prayer and some time on your knees. Amen. When you lay them before the Lord. Amen. You want peace back in your marriage. Amen. It's going to take some time. Amen. When you grab your husband, you grab your, your wife, and you say, honey, we're going to go to the altar. We're going to pray. Honey, that, that living room now is going to be a place of prayer. Amen. Instead of a place of, of strife, instead of a place of frustration, Amen. This is going to be the place where we call heaven down. Amen. Until God gives us an answer. Until God works in this house. Until God restores the peace in our mind. Can I tell you, there's just some things that are only meant to be carried on the shoulders of God's people. Minister, Bible study teacher, this gospel was intended to be carried. It was intended to be carried to this world. There is no greater calling. There is no greater calling than being able to carry this gospel on our shoulders to a lost and dying world. And I grew up in Pentecost and I went to all the conferences and I've seen all the beautiful conferences and big pulpits and big platforms, but can I tell you, there's no greater pulpit than sitting across the table from somebody and opening up and telling them about the goodness of Jesus, telling them that there is a place, amen, of rest, that there is a Holy Ghost power, that God still works in the heart of men and women, that God could still change and transform lives. There is no great greater platform. Why? What are we doing? We're It's not my pastor's job any longer. It's not the minister's job any longer. You best believe I'm going to carry this on my shoulders. Oh, Jesus. Finally, Jesus told his disciples in all the synoptic gospels, he tells them that if you don't carry your cross, you're not my disciple. Often we look at the cross and we see that the cross is a representation of suffering. But you know what else the cross mainly as a representation of is death. What is Jesus telling his disciples? He goes on and tells them that if you try to hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. What is he saying? He said, babe, you got to carry this cross. It's not just something you do on Sunday, but you got to die out to yourself. There needs to be a surrender to the voice of God in your life and say, God, I made up my mind I'm carrying my cross. God, you are the master of my life. God, you are the center of my affection, Lord. I'm burning the bridges here today, God. I'm tired of living on the fence. I'm tired, God, of not pursuing everything you have for me. But God, I, I want to carry this with me everywhere I go. When people see me, I want them to see that I'm not who I used to be, but I am new in you. God, when my family sees me, I don't want them just to see who they've seen before, but I want them to see a peacekeeper. I want them to see me see a spiritual leader in my home. God, I want them to see something different in me. Why? It's because God, I'm dying out to who I I was and I now God want to be everything you've called me to be today hallelujah these altars are open right now to whosoever will 
Hallelujah. I, I pray right now that there'd be some spouses that would grab their, their husband or their wife by the hand and say, Lord, we're done fighting this battle on our own, but God, we want you in our marriage, God. God, we want you in our families again, Lord. Young minister, I pray right now that you would call on the Lord and say, God, I'm not looking for a pulpit any longer, but God, I want you to take me to places that I have not seen yet. God, I want you to take me to places. God, I want you to blow my mind because, God, I'm pursuing you, God, wherever you would have me to go. God, I want you to lead me, Lord. Take me to new heights in you, Lord. Take me to new depths of understanding in you, God. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. Come on, saint of God, I'm tired of fighting this on my own, Lord. But God, I need your help. This is where my might dies, God. God, this is where my strength dies. God, I've reached my end. And God, I need you, Lord, to meet me here in my weakness. Your grace is sufficient. God, your grace is sufficient, Lord. Oh, God, I'm tired of fighting this on my own. But God, I need you. 